Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company, a philanthropic community partner since 1922 and proud supporter of numerous community organizations. More information at smithville.com. And School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life publichealth.indiana.edu. From the Milton Metz studio and the Radio TV building at Indiana University, welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host WFIU-WTIU News Bureau Chief Sarah Whitmire. Today we're going to examine the, the future of the state Republican Party in the first of our two-week series on Noon Edition. So this week, Republican leaders will weigh in on the state of the party and what their hopes are for the November midterm elections. And we have three guests with us. Two are in the studio. One's joining us by phone. We have State Senator Rod Bray, Roderick Bray, a Republican from Martinsville, who has recently been elected Senate President pro tem. Kyle Hupfer is the chairman of the Indiana GOP, and he's in Indianapolis joining us by phone. And also with us in the studio is Ann Collins, the vice chair of the Monroe County Republican Party. You can join us on the program by calling 812-855-0811 or toll-free 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And today we're also on Facebook Live. So lots of ways to connect with the show today. Uh, Kyle Hupfer, I want to start with you. You're the chairman of the Indiana uh, Republican Party. And I would like for you to give us kind of an overview from your perspective on, on the state of the party. Sure. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me today um, and for doing this. I, I think it's, it's a great thing to, to put this out. Um, I would say that, you know, the state of the Indiana Republican Party is extremely strong. As, as we sit here today, we, we uh, enjoy having been selected by the voters of Indiana to hold every statewide elected position except for one. Um, we currently hold supermajorities in both the House and the Senate. Uh, another expression of the voters' uh, appreciation for the work that the Republican Party has done over the last 10 to 15 years here in Indiana. Um, we have a governor who is extremely popular, enjoying some of the highest approval ratings we've seen in Indiana and some of the highest approval ratings we see in the country. He's cutting through um, a lot of bar partisanship and, and really focused in on his pillars, um, enjoying now uh, approval ratings in the, in the mid-60s and disapproval ratings in the teens. So a very unique uh, situation in this hyper-partisan era that we, we find ourselves in. Um, and we're, you know, going strong. We just had our convention in Evansville, great turnout and a great showing by the city. Mayor Lloyd Winicky, a Republican, um, leading that city is really having a renaissance. Um, and out of that, we've, we've renominated our three statewide uh, female, all-female all slate of candidates, uh, again, showing that you know, the Indiana Republican Party doesn't just talk about including uh, women in politics. Our women lead, and that'd be Connie Lawson, Tara Klutz, and Kelly Mitchell. So they'll be on the ballot for Secretary of State, uh, Auditor, and Treasurer. And then, of course, the, the big focus of the party is, is picking up that one statewide seat we don't hold today, and that is uh, taking back uh, the U.S. Senate seat from Democrat Joe Donnelly and electing Mike Braun, who was recent, recently selected by Republican voters during the primary to represent uh, our ticket uh, in November. All right, Kyle, thanks. We'll, we'll get back to the uh, convention just a little bit, um, but I want to talk with um, Senator Bray about the, uh, you know, your new position and the leadership in in a legislature that does have super majorities on both in both houses. Well, thank you, and also thank you for having me. I appreciate uh, the chance to be here. And uh, you're right; I, I just was selected to be a president pro tem as Senator David Long retires. He is not retired yet; he retires in November. So I take that position beginning in November, and I'm excited about the opportunities that prevents uh, presents for all of us. And uh, um, we just have, it's been an interesting time in the Indiana Senate. I've been there now about six years, 
And in that period of time, um, I, there are about 30 people that have been there a shorter period of time than I. So we've had real turnover from some people getting defeated, but largely people just deciding to retire or move on to other opportunities. So it presents some opportunities for some folks that have been there maybe not quite as long, uh, including myself. And we intend to, to continue to try and uh, help lead the state and be fiscally responsible. We have some challenges because we've lost the loose Senator David Long, who's been an incredible leader for us for 12 years. Uh, and, and also in the last year, we've lost uh, Brant Hirschman, who was a majority floor leader for many of those years and a very bright, capable person and a big leader for us, and also Senator Luke Kinley, who was the appropriations chair. So uh, there are big seats to fill there. There's no doubt we'll do it. We've got a lot of talented people there willing to uh, carry the water, so it's going to be a good opportunity. Before I, I turn to Ann, I wanted to ask you about um, your family, because you, you're, you have uh, uh, a, lot of, a lot of other people in your family have been senators, so you're like a th third generation, would that be fair, or is it more than that? It's not more than that. Third generation of politics, and uh, so yeah, it's been a habit my family hasn't been able to kick just yet. <laughs> um, uh, my grandfather was in the U.S. Congress for 24 years, from about 1950 to 74, and my father started out um, well, in, in Morgan County, he was the prosecutor for a while, but he started out in the state house as a House of Representatives, and then he was in the uh, Senate then for a number of years, from about 92 to 2012. Mm -hmm. So that uh, kind of got in your blood? I'm afraid so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ann Collins, as, a, as the vice chair of the Monroe County Republican Party, it's, I think it's fair to say that, that, you know, while the Republicans are in leadership throughout the state and, you know, in the national congressional situation, it's not that way in Monroe County. No, it's not. Uh, definitely in the city government and part of the county government. I think one of the facts, and now that I say facts, I don't know if it's 32 or 33, we do actually have 32-plus elected Republicans in the townships and on the, on the boards. And a lot of people don't really know a lot about that just because it may not be a high visible position but yes it's definitely more of a struggle for a republican to get elected here in monroe county so what do, what do you um you know how do you work with the state in trying to you know build the recognition for your local party and also just working to make sure the state party's stronger well, um, William and I make a great team. William and, Ellis, the well, party yeah, chair. excuse me, you, yeah. William William Ellis, the chairman of the Monroe County Republican Party, and we are involved in every avenue with the state and the federal. We try to get to as many of the events as possible. Um, we both know a lot of people and aren't afraid to ask for help so we've asked for a lot of help down here in monroe county in fact they probably are maybe kyle will even say he's probably sick of hearing us ask for help but uh, we stay heavily involved in all of it but of course our focus is locally because that's what's really going to make a difference to monroe county citizens mm -hmm. senator bray you mentioned just all of the retirements happening so i'm wondering other than losing that historical knowledge um, I guess what other sort of thing, how, how might we see the party change, I guess, just as a result of that? Are there going to be new ideas that you're going to seek to push forward now with the changing blood? Well, I don't know about new ideas. I mean, we're going to continue to try and push forward because we have new challenges presenting themselves to the state every every year, every day, really. And so we continue to try and tackle those. To ask, I've had, I've had people talk about, well, is that going to move the Senate more to the right or to the left? You know, people are just going to have to decide that as they watch us work. Uh, we've got a lot of challenges, but most of the, what we're going to try and focus on is the blo blocking and tackling of state government, which means um, uh, this next coming year is a state budget year. We're going to have to put together a budget that's fiscally responsible, that doesn't spend outside of our means, that makes sure we fund our pensions adequately, because that's one of the trip lines that lots of governments and large corporations trip over all the time. So those are the things that we're going to try and focus on and make sure that we get right, uh, plus the added challenges and a number of others, which I assume we'll talk about today. But, um, you know, whether we're going to be a, a shift to the right or to the left or stay where we are, people are going to have to decide that and tell me what happened, because I'm just going to try and uh, do good work in the state house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you want to join our program today, I want to give you our numbers. We're talking to... Uh, leaders in the state Republican Party and the Monroe County Republican Party. If you have questions about the future of Indiana Republicans, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 
285-9348. And you can also send questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. We've been through, I mean, the last couple of uh, elections have been have been interesting. We went from Governor Daniels, who had a particular style, to Governor Pence, who had a particular style. And now we have Governor Holcomb, who has a style all of his own, too. Uh, one of the areas that uh, you had to know was coming up today is, is social issues. And in your convention, and I'll, I'll look to Kyle first, uh, in the convention, Kyle, you had some language, um, I believe, in the, in the platform that uh, would have taken out um, marriage between a man and a woman, and that was, that was restored. So can you talk about that issue and whether you think it, was, it, it, it mm, displays a, a bit of a divide in the party or just put it in context for us? Yeah, I think it it uh, displays some strength, as I talked about over the weekend. I mean, um, political parties are made up of, you know, in the case of the Republican Party in Indiana, millions of individuals, and there's always going to be differing views across that spectrum. Um, I disagree a little bit with the premise of, of the question. I, I don't. I never did, nor um, do I continue to believe that either version of the language that was offered up took marriage out of the, the draft. The word marriage was out, but, but one said marriage between a man and a woman. The other one said traditional families with a mother and father. I think those are, you know, substantially equivalent. Um, from, the, from the folks who were involved, uh, obviously family was important. And we continue to have a, a diversity of, of family structures across the state, and um, some of those for unfortunate situations, uh, a lot driven by some of the opioid crisis we're dealing with. And there were certainly some that viewed a, a need to strengthen that language around uh, recognizing all families. But as far as gathering our, our convention folks together, it was, uh, you know, two minutes of a 48-hour weekend. Um, I think we came out of it strong. We, we certainly agree with each other uh, across the spectrum on much more than we ever disagree on. And I think it's, it's good that those conversations continue to happen about where is the party. The world changes. You know, the world will be a lot different six years from now than it was six, six years ago. And it seems to be changing at a more rapid pace. So I, I anticipate that those, those changes and discussions will continue to happen. But what you do see in Indiana, and you talked about Governor Daniels and Governor Pence and now Governor Holcomb is much, much uh, in similarity. You talked about some of the differences, but along with, and along with those three are, are House and Senate supermajorities, uh, consistently fiscally conservative, consistently ensuring that uh, we don't spend outside of our means, consistently ensuring that we're pushing on tax policy that is pro-family and pro-growth. Um, consistently across the Republican spectrum of both the governors and the legislature pushing for job growth and job creation, the birth of the Indiana Economic Development Corporation, and job announcement after job announcement like we just had with emphasis, one of the biggest ones in the history of the state of Indiana. So I think there's much more consistent across the spectrum of those three governors and also the legislature that's been there over the 14 years. And I think it's that fiscal conservative approach that brought Indiana out of a over billion dollar deficit when Governor Daniels was elected to continuing to have over a billion dollars, close to two in reserves. I think it's about 11.5% of our budget we have in reserves. And that we continue to put more money in Hoosiers' pockets and that we do it in a very efficient um, and effective manner at government. That's the consistency I think you've seen, and that's the reason why I believe that voters in Indiana continue to elect Republicans in an overwhelming manner, not just at the statewide level, but also when you look at county commissioners across the state, I believe we're somewhere in the, in the 75 to 80 percent of county commissioners are Republicans. So uh, consistently put their trust in us. I believe it's because of that fiscal discipline, that uh, understanding of the economy, and ensuring that more and more Hoosiers are employed, as many today as has ever been employed in the history of Indiana, and the wages continue to rise. So I think that's why they continue to put the trust in the Republican Party across governors and across different legislators. I, I just want to follow up on the, the party platform message that Bob was talking about, just defining marriage as between a man and a woman. Just, Kyle, 
and and maybe maybe this is maybe you did say this, but just what what initially brought about the proposal? Yeah, again, you know, I, I would take issue with the, the question. Neither version, neither 2016 nor the 2018 version that were offered up, ever says marriage is defined as between a man and a woman. What it says is that uh, families based upon marriage between a man and a woman are a foundation of our society. And then it goes on to list uh, any of other family structures that are completely supported by the Republican Party, including single parents now, grandparents, um, et cetera. So uh, there is no definition of marriage within the platform. Um, again, what, what brought up the discussion was, should all of these family structures be put on an even keel by the platform? Are we still going to put um, traditional families as a foundational piece um, and the foundation of society? That, that's where the, the debate okay. was. Um, it was never about definitional uh, on marriage. Right. I would agree with that with our chairman. And, you know, it, it's, uh, it's uh, in my experience having this debate over the last uh, the number of days leading up to the convention and then on the convention floor, it was a really healthy exercise for our party to find out who we are, what our opinions are, and be able to share those. And, and it was not done in any way in an acrimonious way. I mean, if, if you look at the way that it kind of played itself out on the floor, uh, two people came up and made motions for their particular side of the platform, uh, pretty articulately done. And um, it was uh, just a voice vote, came out fairly clearly. But, you know, that exercise is uh, just a healthy way to do it and uh, to let the delegates who represent the Republican Party all across the state of Indiana make kind of a determination and uh, give them an opportunity to kind of lead the way for us. And uh, in, in, in some part, it's a very serious conversation. In some part, it's uh, really nuanced because, as the chairman, uh, Kyle Hupfer, just said, it's really um, um, it, it, it's the, 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 the mother and father is a great way to run a family, a perfect way to run a family. It works very well for my family, but it doesn't work that way, and it's not the reality for all the people in Indiana, Indiana. What we really need to have are people who are out there who are capable and willing to care for and love children and rear them in a way that brings them up into a productive way into society. And that's what we're trying to get to as a Republican Party. Kyle, before we oh, – go ahead, Ann. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to reiterate that, that I think this, at least my feelings at the convention, is this is about our children. And the word marriage – means commitment, whether that's between a man and a woman or a man and a man or a woman and a woman. And with that commitment, bringing up children, it just is a more solid environment for them to learn family values. And I think that was the main thing that I got from it, that we don't want to strip the idea that a family unit has a commitment to each other is you don't always like your family, <laughs> but you love your family. Right. So. Well, Kyle, before before we leave the convention, we might go back to it uh, a number of times. But I want you know you talked about how that was a very small part of the convention. Can you mention like one or two other? And I know you probably believe that everything in the platform is very important, but just pick out one or two things in the platform that you think maybe were underplayed as people talked about this issue and were important things for Hoosiers to know. Sure, uh, happy to. I, I think, you know, one, you, you always have, have some uh, new parts of the platform that are tied to the sitting governor. And so uh, highlights around the, the pillars um, were added in reflecting the, the current focus uh, that the governor's agenda um, reflects. Um, a couple other things that, that, that came on that, that received pretty strong consensus, you'll see um, maybe the biggest one was a, a kind of re-review um, of our life platform. Obviously, the Republican Party has been pro-life, uh, a consistent message from, from conception. And that, that language for the Indiana platform was significantly strengthened um, to put forth the, the party's view that, that life is, is really from conception to death, to natural death and um, that, that we need to continue to support that uh, when that opportunity arises. All right, we have a phone call, so let's go to um, DJ on the phone. DJ? Uh, hello, I have a quick question for your guest. Um, I'm enjoying the discussion. It's about uh, my question, and I'll let anyone 
speak to it is about uh, elections and and and, and uh, uh, voting in general. I know that no matter whether you're Republican or Democrat, I'm certain that you can at least get on board with the idea that the more people participate in an election, the more reflective of who we are as a society, the more reflective our leadership is going to be. Sure. And that's certainly got to be everybody's goal. I'm, so to that end, I'd like for you to speak briefly, if you could, about what some specific things that Republicans locally and nationally are doing to try to make uh, access to the voting place easier for people. And I don't I, I hope this opens a little bit of a discussion about what we want to protect against about because the president, bless his heart, raised the issue of uh, 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 problems with the sanctity of our elections and then allowed that issue to be shown for what it is, which is nonsense. And now that we've moved past this idea of three million illegal immigrants voting, we can have a serious discussion about it. And I'd love to hear your take on it. I'm afraid I have to hang up and keep driving. But um, thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. You know, one of the things I think we've uh, done over the last few years, um, um, and this has a lot to do with our Secretary of State, Connie Lawson, and the the clerks around the state, um, uh, both Republican and Democrat, but we've been slowly moving to instead of just having a polling station in each precinct to kind of having uh, uh, them spread out throughout the county and uh, in larger polling locations and having them open more hours and uh, leading up to the election. So making it a little easier to vote by absentee. So early, if you can come on into the clerk's office, you can vote for any reason, even if you're uh, just because you're going to be busy on election day. And uh, uh, I know when I first ran, I was going door to door and I had a map in each county that I was running in of all where all the polling locations were. And on a Saturday, I'd say, you know, I hope you vote for me, but the bottom line is I want you to vote. And by the way, you can run down the street right now and vote right now. You don't have to wait on Election Day. So trying to make those polling locations uh, more accessible to people and open in hours where they can get there, I think, has been a a good move. Okay. Ann? Um, I agree. I like the extended hours. I remember the day when I had three young children and waiting in line to vote for two hours was difficult. And difficult for the people standing around me. Um, so, yes, I, I think the early voting, the extended hours are great. And I also think that we need to zero in on disabled people and elderly people to make sure that the sites that they need to vote at are accessible to them. And in general, from the voting sites that I am aware of here in Monroe County, they are, but there are a few that are a little bit more difficult, and I'd, I'd like to to make sure, at least here in Monroe County and throughout the state, that we make it as easy as possible for everyone to come vote, including those elderly and disabled uh, individuals. The caller mentioned the idea of how do you how do you balance the need for including more people with also security. So I, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, and just here, here at the local level. Uh, security in which way? I think he's speaking about security in terms of protecting the, the, the validity of the election, making sure the votes are valid. Yes. Well, here in Monroe County, I know they do a very good job. When you go into the election office, there is an equal amount of Republicans and an equal uh, uh, amount of Democrats, and the person is followed, and they're... Uh, uh, paper ballot, as we've gone to this year, uh, it's it's tracked. There's always two people tracking it. So I think it is, we're doing a good job here in Monroe County with that. And I would just encourage that to be everywhere. And I would encourage um, the photo IDs. Just make sure that who is voting is who they say they are. And I think you bring up a good point there. I mean, there's two there's two things to consider when you talk about elections, I think. One is um, that uh, there is real integrity in the election system so that uh, uh, the right people are voting in the right areas. You're not getting to vote twice in this state or that state. Or, um, uh, but the other thing that's, I think, really important is the appearance of the integrity and the appearance that the election is done correctly. Because if we begin as a society to question every election that we don't like when there's a result that we don't like, we probably have a real problem headed our way because then you begin to lose faith in that and then you begin to look at other options. We don't ever want to go there. So having that integrity and having people have faith in the system, I think, is vitally important. Mm-hmm. 
You're listening to Noon Edition today on WFIU. We're talking with uh, three leaders in the state's Republican Party and in Monroe County's Republican Party. Uh, this is the first of two uh, programs we're going to do uh, on politics. Next week we'll have the Democrats in here, but you're listening to the Republican Party today uh, on Noon Edition. We're going to take a short break and then we'll be right back. the Milton Metz studio at IU's Radio TV building, this is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Fiber, online at smithville.com, and IU School of Public Health Bloomington, online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state throughout the day at WFIUNews.org and on Twitter at WFIU News. You can watch unfiltered video of breaking stories on Facebook Live. And you can get a digest of all the day's top stories delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of the headlines, plus the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe right now at WFIUNews.org. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg from the Herald Times, along with Sarah Whitmire from WFIU and WTIU. And today we're talking about the current state and the future of the Indiana Republican Party with Senator Roderick Bray, a Republican from Martinsville, who is the will be the incoming Senate President Pro Tem. Ann Collins, Vice Chair of the Monroe County Republican Party, and joining us by phone today is Kyle Hupfer, the Chairman of the Indiana Republican Party. You can follow us uh, on Twitter today, or you can follow us on Facebook Live. You can also call in at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. We did have somebody take advantage of sending us a question, and it comes from Dylan, who said <clears throat> he would like the panel to respond to President Trump's immigration policy, uh, specifically separating children and parents at the border. So, Senator Brand, I'm going to ask you to go first. Well, sure. And uh, I guess the first thing I'll say is this immigration policy has been very complicated and, and frankly, pretty controversial. But uh, uh, it is really important that we have people um, immigrating in from the other countries and around the world because, uh, at the very least, we need them for our workforce. You take here in the state of Indiana, we've got an unemployment rate of about 3.2, which is about the lowest in the Midwest right now, I believe. And one of the challenges we have of luring different companies or even allowing companies to grow here in the state of Indiana is finding the talented workforce. So we want people to come from other countries and bring their talent and their work ethic to us because we can only benefit from that. And uh, um, uh, But having said that, we are a country of laws, and we there are ways to do that that are the right way to do it and ways to do it that are the wrong way to do it. We want people to do it the right way. I understand um, this piece that it uh, the benefit to uh, Trump's policy here is that people will look at that maybe and think, oh, my gosh, we're not going to do that because I don't ever want to be separated from my kids. I can't imagine anything worse being a father myself. And so it seems to me that uh, um, that's what's get everybody so stirred up and so upset, and I completely understand that. Um, we've got to find a way, though, to, to get people here in, in the way that fits the laws that we have to created that uh, allow people to come into the United States. Uh, this one is very, very controversial, um, but it does give pause to people to decide, I'm not going to go try and do that because I don't want to be separated from my children. Mm -hmm. Kyle? Listen, I, I think Rod answered that question perfectly. I mean, what we try here in Indiana, to, to, at least at the Indiana Republican Party, to, to focus on Indiana issues. This one's obviously a national issue, but um, we obviously are a, a country of laws. This isn't a, a new law on the books. The, the administration is just uh, enforcing a law that's been on the books for a long period of time. And we need to protect our border. I mean, there's no question about it that there are, you know, we, we talk in Indiana, and one of the governor's main pillars is fighting the opioid crisis, and there is no question, it's, it's indisputable that 
the largest source of a lot of these drugs is coming across the border illegally. And so it's not only an immigration issue, but it's a, it's a safety and security issue for this country. Um, and we need, to, we need to go ahead and secure that border. The president's already started on it. The wall's starting to be built. Um, and we need to continue that. And as Rod said, we are a country of laws. Laws need to be followed. Um, and folks who choose not to follow the law need to, need to be met with the consequences of that. Okay. There's been some talk of a blue wave happening across the country mm-hmm. as we're looking at some of these different elections. And can, can you speak on that? And if you think Indiana will be insulated from that? Can I make a yeah, comment? I think it's... Uh, okay. I, I think it's um, well, first, I think any any talk of that was premature. I mean, I think it's based upon historical, um, you know, elections two years after a, a new president is elected. So I, I think that that was part of it. But th- there was also a lot of talk of that when the when the president's numbers took a slight dip for a few months. But his numbers now are in Indiana is, is basically at the level they were when he was elected. So certainly for Indiana. Um, we're seeing no signs of a blue wave of anything. The president's um, strong policies, especially around tax reform, are uh, resonating with Hoosiers and resonating with a lot of Americans. I think they're starting to see that, that the things that the president talked about doing and said he was going to do, he's delivering on. Um, I, the, the you know mainstream media can spend things any way they want to, but we just had another historical moment with the president meeting with the North Korean uh, leader. So the president's getting things done. I think American people are seeing that. Um, they're seeing these rolling back regulations. They see that he's, he's approaching the economy in a positive way. We've got the strongest economy that this country's seen in, in several decades. And so I, I think you're going to see uh, a lot of that blue wave talk dissipated um, here pretty quickly. And, and there's really no signs of it in Indiana. I I just wanted to make a quick uh, comment about the last subject. Um, Rod had talked about how we start to lose the confidence in our election process. And I think that the, the country is starting to lose that with our news. I was going door to door yesterday and talked to a lady and she was upset that I was a Republican. She was upset that um, that I was part of uh, the support for Trump and these pictures of of kids and and so on and so forth that everyone has seen. And my and I don't have the answer, but I know it's a balance. And we have to be able to substantiate some of these pictures and some of these uh, this information. And that is hard and it is time consuming. But I just uh, I think along with some of these pictures, we're just finding that we are losing faith in um, our news coverage and our media. I just want to put that out there because I think we tend to, uh, as we grow older, just start to hear these things, hear them enough, and then we accept them as fact. Mm-hmm. All right. If you have a question or a comment, we're starting to get a few questions called in. Uh, give us a call at 812-855-0811 or toll-free at 1-877-285-9348. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. I uh, wanted to follow up a little bit. And, again, Kyle, I'm going to ask you about this first. You had a, a rollicking uh, primary election with uh, your three candidates on, on the Republican side. All three were extremely supportive of President Trump. Uh, but all three were – they really went after each other. So, you know, how, I'm sure that, that the party is going to, to mend. You'll be behind your candidate. But can you talk about the, the um, you know, the pluses and the minuses to a primary like that? Yeah, happy to. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, as with a lot of things, the, the um, level of, of dispute in that primary is in the eye of the beholder. From my perspective – uh, you had three candidates who um, had a pretty consistent amongst the three view of, of the role of government and, and vision for the country. And so a few little nitpicky personal things got picked up on, probably more so than they should have. Um, but I'm a believer in primaries, and, and I think if they're conducted in, in a strong manner, they, they turn out the best candidate. Iron sharpens iron, and I, I think we got the best candidate out of the primary. Um, the parties come together extremely quickly. Uh, I, I think that 
Um, they learned um, from a little bit of the um, Richard Luger, uh, Richard Murdoch primary that you got to be ready to come out of that primary and support your candidate if you're going to succeed, and, and people have come together very quickly. The other thing, you know, I feel we've played a role in it at the state party, as have, as have the campaigns, but um, you, have, you have taken people from those campaigns, some key staff that have moved right over onto the Braun campaign or moved into a role uh, as a field staff for the state party, and so it's really going to be seamless. Um, you could see at the convention, you could see when the president came into Elkhart, along with the vice president, uh, the Thursday after the election, that there is really a seamless transition to the general election, and Hoosier Republicans have come together almost immediately to get behind Mike Braun. You know, Kyle, if you, if, uh, would you agree that uh, when you have a contested primary like this, too, <clears throat> the, a couple of other benefits. One is you have a very engaged electorate at that point, and everybody is watching closely, and and so uh, you you can kind of get a ground game going for the November election because everyone is watching it so closely in the spring. And also, just the uh, uh, highly competitive race raises the profile of all the candidates, but in particular the winner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it certainly helped us, you know, we really are, are at an unprecedented state for the Republican Party. Um, you know, this, this U.S. Senate race is a targeted race uh, from, the, from the Republican perspective, and that's a rarity for Indiana because we, we typically, just in all honesty, haven't had that many uh, Democrats up for re-election that we were taking on as a challenger uh, from the Republican Party. And so... Uh, we are sitting today at almost 60 paid staff out in the field, training volunteers, recruiting folks to hit doors. Um, we've trained over 1,000 volunteers already through our Republican leadership initiative. Um, and I think that one of the benefits, as Rod was discussing, of that primary is that there were a lot of folks who got engaged in this. And the other thing that all three were consistent with and spoke about Basically, every debate, um, every appearance that they had was to talk about the issues that Democrat Joe Donnelly has as a candidate, the way that he uh, says one thing in Indiana and votes another way in D.C., the fact that he's voted for Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer to lead his party, um, the fact that he campaigned for Hillary Clinton and campaigned for Barack Obama, the fact that he supported the Iran deal, which is that onion uh, is peeled back layer after layer. We're seeing was just basically uh, the United States handing over billions of dollars to terrorists in Iran to fund their operations. And as people see these things um, and hear them, they, they like, first of all, Democrat Joe Donnelly way less. But second, it was another consistent theme, and it, and it really energized the base. And so you had three people, not just one, out telling that story across the state, identifying the people who are like-minded and getting them involved in the campaign. And those folks, um, which is a great thing for the party, are staying engaged and now all 100 percent behind Mike Braun. I want to ask for just one quick clarification from what you said. You talked about um, in that campaign a lot of nitpicky things got picked up. And I just wanted to clarify what, what you meant by that. I mean, picked up by – are you talking about picked up by the media or are you talking about picked up by the candidates who were yeah, sort I, of going I, after I, each yeah, other? I think both. I mean, some of it was raised by the candidates and then probably amplified by the media. But, you know, it was, it was nothing of, that was in any way disqualifying to any candidate. It was, it was personal-type um, issues that I think most Hoosiers don't really care a, a lot about. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think you had a conservative, proven leader in Mike Braun, somebody who's not just talked about being a conservative but has lived it, has, has moved back to his hometown at Jasper, hired Hoosiers, employed them, grown a business. And I think that probably um, resonated much more with the voters of Indiana than any little negative thing that was brought up about any of the three candidates. Okay, we have, a, we have a question that's been called in. I'm going to paraphrase it now, and just uh, I'll ask the people in the studio first, and then, Kyle, you can jump in as well. It has to do with, and I think this has to do primarily with the fact that there are so many Republicans who are incumbents in the state, and it has to do with the um, whether the incumbents will be 
willing to sit for debates with other candidates. I'm not going to name any names, but just a general philosophy about, you know, when Republican candidates, whether incumbent or not incumbent, you know, what's the value of debates? Well, <clears throat> the value of debate is really to get everybody to understand what your position is and to contrast it with the uh, the opposing candidates. So, but those those are race by race issues. You know, there are uh, some candidates who decide that they don't want to debate somebody. Maybe it's because while they are very cerebral, they're not that articulate, they're not that uh, good at making an oral argument. And uh, so there's lots of reasons to do it. Sometimes there's reasons not to do it, I suppose. But it's always best, in my opinion, to get that out there so people can begin to get to know you and how you contrast with this person that you're running against. Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. Um, there's, there's, it's hard to get people to know who you are when you're running a race. They see a billboard or they see a, a, a leave behind. And a debate, whether you're articulate or not, just, just through body language and through your answers and your questions between the two candidates, you can get a feel for what that person's about. You may not learn everything because it's impossible for us to do, but I think the debates are, are very important because it gets you a chance to see in the face of that candidate and, and like, uh, thank you for all the callers calling in and asking questions. Mm -hmm. And how else would you learn that stuff? Right. Kyle, from your perspective, do you encourage your candidates, whether they're incumbents or not, to debate, or is it a race-by-race race basis? I, I think it's race-by-race. Race. I think it has to be. Um, you know, as the Republican Party, let me let me just start out by saying that, you know, our, our goal once we have go out and, and a candidate is selected is to, is to win elections. And so there's a lot of strategy that goes into that and, and how information is, is disseminated. But certainly there are cases where, um, one candidate um, is either polling so far ahead, um, and from a strategic standpoint, there is just really no reason uh, to engage with an opponent. You know, increasingly at times we have, uh, and we, we unfortunately see this uh, much more frequently today than maybe we have even 10 years in the past, we have candidates that jump into races that just aren't really legitimate. And I, I think that to, in those instances, it's completely appropriate um, to not subject yourself to a situation that is not going to be civil um, and that is not going to be a balanced approach to a, to a debate. Um, and if a candidate isn't legitimate, then there's, then there's really no reason to give them a platform that would uh, indicate that they have legitimacy that they don't. We were talking a little bit about the Senate race earlier, and obviously that's going to drive a lot of people to the polls and a lot of money to the state of Indiana. Um, but Senator Bray, maybe you can talk about just how you see that in, how you see that race impacting other down ticket races, and are there any seats that you're particularly looking at and thinking if, if voters come out for the Senate race, then these might fall into line? Oh, absolutely. I mean, any any general election cycle, you look to the top of the ticket because it has a trickle down effect every time, and so. You got a great uh, leader on our ticket with Mike Braun running for the United States Senate, and he has been—he's uh, um, uh, been out. In fact, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the uh, uh, the primary and a contested primary, and one of the benefits of that. When I went to the convention, and I bet you saw this too, when Mike Braun would show up at a reception, the people would flock to him because they wanted to get a chance to meet him in person, and uh, so he has a he has a lot of popularity there, and he will help bring out voters for those down ticket th uh, races. The other thing, the inverse is true also, though. If you have a big sheriff's race in a, in a particular county, um, that's going to bring people flocking to the polls as well because of the personalities of those people on a local level. And so um, both both have the same impact. Mm -hmm. And anything more at the local level that you that you expect might be impacted by, by the Senate race? Um, yeah, I think they all interconnect and they all relate to each other. I guess I'm I'm sort of little tunnel vision because I'm I'm like focusing on local. A lot of times when I go door to door, I get asked this on the federal and the state, and I'm I'm like, let's talk about local. <laughs> but yeah, they they all run together and they all you know they all kind of merge and wish I could just keep 
the people in the neighborhoods on local issues. <laughs> Our phone number is, again, if you want to give us a call, we have about, we only have about eight minutes to go, 812-855-0811 here in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. You can also send us questions for the show at news at indianapublicmedia.org. So I want to ask all of you, um, again, what, what are the key races for you this year? You know, going into the the midterm elections, um, and Kyle, let's let's start with you. I mean, what what do you hope that all of your Republican candidates are are talking about? Sure. Well, I mean, we we've been really clear. I mean, from the day that that I got um, uh, selected to this position, we've been talking about the November 2018 elections, and there's really three things: we need to reelect our three statewide. Uh, all-female ticket of, of Connie Lawson, Kelly Mitchell, and Tara Klutz. We need to maintain the supermajorities in the House and Senate, and we need to put Mike Braun in the U.S. Senate and send Democrat Joe Donnelly back to Indiana. So those, those three things at, at the top of the ticket are not going to change. Um, I, I think from, you know, from the prior question, I, I think that the benefit down ticket uh, in this particular cycle, and it's not necessarily always a true, but I think it's amplified this time, and I mentioned it earlier, is that um, the down ticket races are not going to necessarily just enjoy the benefit of having Mike Braun be uh, uh, t- at the top of the ticket and, and garnering votes. I think the biggest thing for down ticket races is that in every single county and every congressional district, we are going to have significant boots on the ground that are out knocking on doors, out making phone calls, communicating with voters, and in those communications, um, local races will be discussed, our congressional races will be discussed, um, and so that, I think, will be as much of the down ticket benefit as, as just having a, a strong candidate like Mike Braun at the top of the ticket. I think it'll be the, the actual work and the boots on the ground and the efforts that are being made um, to get, get our voters out, you know, to turn out that vote in November and make sure that every Republican, every person that's going to cast a vote for a Republican in this state shows up and, and cast one. So I, I think that'll be the down ticket uh, benefit. I want to ask you to go just a little bit further with this because you, you just gave me three reasons uh, that would be good for the Republican Party, statewide, all-female ticket, supermajorities, send Joe Donnelly home. Why is that good for all Hoosiers to do that? Well, I, I think it, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. Is I mean, the, the, the Republican Party has proven that we are the, the party of purpose in Indiana. We're focused on, as the governor said in the state, of the state focused on people, people, people. And we have, you know, proven results here in Indiana. And so, to me, um, having Republican, fiscally conservative leadership at the top of, of the state government leading our legislature and sending another Republican U.S. Senator to Washington, D.C. to be a partner with Senator Todd Young and to ensure that the president, vice president's agenda is being progressed are critical. And I think that's what matters to Hoosiers, is that that fiscal conservative, solid base that we have in Indiana that's created unprecedented job growth, pre- uh, presented an unprecedented tax environment, an unprecedented AAA credit rating, an unprecedented surplus here in the state is what benefits Hoosiers on a day-to-day basis, and that's why it's important for them to continue and why I believe they will continue supporting Republicans uh, to be leaders in this state. Kyle, Thank you. let me jump in on that and add as well that, uh, first of all, I agree with that statement. and. You know, just because um, they're Republican leadership, it's not a partisan issue particularly as much as it is a substantive way to govern or a philosophical way to govern. And I feel like Indiana is in a good position right now um, economically. The unemployment rate is low, and that benefits everyone. And it's not a matter of then when you're in office and where we're going to govern in a partisan way. And the example I can give, since I've been in the state Senate, is a neat statistic, I think. Every year um, we have so many bills that get passed. It's about 200 bills get passed a year. And it's, similar, it's, it's oddly similar every single year. 60 or 65 percent of those bills every year are unanimous, with every Republican and every Democrat voting for that bill. At least about 95 percent um, of the bills that are passed every year are bipartisan, with some Republicans and some Democrats voting for those every single year. And so that really leaves um, uh, a number of bills you can count on one hand, probably not using all your fingers, that are just along party lines. And that's with supermajorities in the House and the Senate. So there's an effort there to try and just make good policy, not to just simply be partisan. 
Thank you. Yeah, I think locally, um, the fiscal responsibility is an important issue and diversity. We talk about a lot of diversity, and I think that that goes with parties as well. We should have a representative of what we have in our county, Uh, the Green Party, the Independent, the Libertarian, the Republican, the Democrat. You roll all those colors together and we have brown. So maybe we should start the brown party that has a little bit of everything. Um, And... I just, that's one of the things that I think with Monroe County, we've got to watch our pocketbook because it's it's trickling down to each citizen and it's getting into more of their pocketbook. Senator Bray, we only have maybe 90 seconds mm-hmm. left, but I, I do want to talk about legislative priorities for this coming session. Obviously, it's a budget year, but any carryovers from last year or what are going to be the big items? There'll be a couple. Obviously, the budget will be a big one. We're going to focus on that. But in addition, you're going to have uh, very coming out very soon as a DCS report that's uh, going to make some recommendations. I hope it's just not let's throw hundreds of millions of dollars more on it. We need some structural change to that. Uh, school security will continue to be something that is a high priority for us uh, and the legislature, but also everybody across the state of Indiana needs, is, is thinking about that these days. And um, uh, continuing to fight um, uh, the scourge that's been this drug addiction that we've had across the state of Indiana because it bleeds into every aspect of our society from DCS to schools to families. So those will be high priorities. All right. I want to thank all of our guests today. We are out of time. That was a very fast show. (laughs) Thank you. I want to thank Senator Roderick Bray, uh, Kyle Hupp for the chairman of the Indiana Republican Party, and Ann Collins, the vice chair of the Monroe County Republican Party. Next week, we'll be talking with Democrats about the state of their party in Indiana and their priorities for the future. For producer Sophia Salaby and Becca Costello, engineer Mike Pashkash, and Sarah Whitmire, my co-host, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from School of Public Health Bloomington. Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. Publichealth.indiana.edu and Smithville Fiber, the Gigacity Company. Fiber Internet, HD, and digital IPTV in Southern Indiana. More information at smithville.com.